Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Well, friends, today is the last Sunday before Holy Week begins, and so we are, over these next few days, wrapping up the season of Lent and our series on the book of Ecclesiastes. But before our reading, I just want to take a quick moment to say that as we've discussed over these past few weeks, some of the themes that we find in Ecclesiastes have to do with vanity and toil, the work that we do, and what often feels like the futility of it all. The author of Ecclesiastes says over and over again that it's all vanity, hevel in Hebrew, it's breath, it's fleeting. And in our passage today, he talks about death about life, but also about death. So just know that going in to our reading. He's expressing an ancient Near Eastern understanding of death, which is very different from our own contemporary Christianity definition or meaning of death. And when he refers to Sheol in verse 10 at the end of our passage, it's it's not a bad thing. It literally means the place of the dead. Our burial ground and memorial garden behind the sanctuary. We wouldn't call that a bad place, but it is literally the place of the dead. And so I offer that just as a bit of background as we approach this reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. Hear God's word to us today. All this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God, whether it's love or hate one does not know. Everything that confronts them is vanity, since the same fate comes to all, to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and to the unclean, to those who sacrifice and those who do not sacrifice. As are the good, so are the sinners. Those who swear are like those who shun an oath. This is an evil in all, in all that happens under the sun, that the same fate comes to everyone. Moreover, the hearts of all are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But whoever is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. The living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, and even the memory of them is lost. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. Never again will they have any share in all that happens under the sun. Go, eat your bread with enjoyment, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has long ago approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. Do not let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that are given you under the sun. Because that is your portion in life, and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Will you pray with me? Grant, O God, that only the truth be spoken and only the truth heard. Amen. The same fate comes to everyone. Those are nearly identical words to the ones we say each year at Ash Wednesday. We say them each time there's a funeral or a memorial service. All of us, each and every last one of us, goes down to the dust. From dust we are made, to dust we shall return. It's fitting then that on this last Sunday of Lent, before Palm Sunday and Holy Week, that we encounter that similar thought to the one on Ash Wednesday, at the very beginning of Lent. The same fate comes to everyone. All of us go down to the dead. I saw this video earlier this week, and the interviewer was asking a random person, if I were to give you a million dollars right now, would you take it? And the person said, yes. <laughs> the interviewer then said, if I were to give you $10 million right now, would you take it? And the person said, yes. I mean, who wouldn't? And the interviewer said, if I were to give you $10 million right now, but you wouldn't wake up tomorrow, would you take it? And the person said, well, well, no. And so the interviewer went on pointing out what this person is really saying is that the idea of just waking up tomorrow and having another day to live is more valuable than even $10 million. What an incredible thought, right? Who among us would turn down $10 million, although we would, because just waking up tomorrow is worth more than that? I think it's a lesson that the author of Ecclesiastes has been trying to teach us. Even though he talks a lot about death, a lot about all of us going down to Sheol, the place of the dead where there's no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom, what he's really saying is live your life to its fullest now. Find joy in your life now. Enjoy all of the days of your vain or breathy life that are given you under the sun because that's your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. I heard some statistics recently, some statistics about life since 2020. Reports of anxiety and depression have increased more than 25% worldwide. Psychologists have seen a 46% increase in the number of patients they see who are teenagers, ages 13 to 17. Incidents of road rage have increased 73%. One in five people who have had COVID have now long COVID. So I saw this clip online earlier this week, and it was a little flashback to the early days of COVID. Okay, uh, do you know the show Big Brother? A long time ago, I used to be kind of addicted to it, which is semi-embarrassing to admit in front of all of you. But there we are. So during the early days of COVID, the Canadian version of Big Brother was in production. 
And if you don't know the show, they basically put a dozen or so people into a house and cut them off from the outside world, and every moment of every day gets filmed. And each week they have different competitions, and the winner of those competitions has to nominate two among them to be evicted. And then the house guests vote one another out, one by one, until two remain. And then all of the other people who had gotten evicted vote for the winner and the $500,000 prize. So in the early days of COVID, Big Brother Canada was in production. And because these dozen or so house guests had been cut off from the outside world for a couple of weeks by that point, there was this moment when the producers gathered all of the house guests together. They said, um, hey, before you moved into this sequestered house, you may have heard about a virus that's been making its way around the world. Well, there are now, I don't, I don't know what they said in the video, it was something like 200,000 cases of COVID worldwide including 900-some in Canada. And that sounds like a distant memory, doesn't it? Well, then a few days later, the producers gathered all the house guests again. This was around mid-March of 2020, and they said, this virus, it has now been classified as a pandemic by the World Health Organization. We're checking in all, on all of your families, and they're all okay, but this thing is getting serious, and we will continue to monitor the situation. And then a few days after that, they gathered everyone together again, and they said, this is really bad. They're ordering all non-essential businesses to close, which means the production of our show must end. You are all going home. Which is sort of ironic, since they had been sequestered in a TV studio house for weeks. And in the end, they gave the $500,000 prize to a COVID-related charity but it was just sort of surreal to be taken back to those early days and how much has changed since then. You hear all these stories about kids who are coming of age in COVID and, and how much they missed. How many of them are struggling academically? How many fights break out in schools between students who don't know how to get along or talk with each other? Sadly, it doesn't seem much better when it comes to adults. Anxiety and depression are on the rise. Anger and road rage apparently have become much more common. The way we talk with one another, the competitive nature of our existence, the shortness of tempers, the insistence that we are right and righteous, no matter who the we is about whom we are referring, all of that makes for really great reality television. But it's a pretty rotten way to live. It's just a lot. It's a lot all of the time. A near constant drone of pressure and, and anxiousness that seems to reverberate around us, underneath us. It's like a low hum vibration of terror and fear that you can feel if you're paying attention. And I don't mean to sound quite so negative, except that I think it all resonates with what we have been reading in Ecclesiastes about living life at the extremes, but in the end discovering that maybe it's all just vanity. It's all breath, it's, it's dust, it's all the same fate which comes to everyone, whether we're good or bad, whether we're righteous or not. And so it's probably really tempting to say, well, what does it matter? Why does any of it matter? Because at the end of our vain life, we're all going to Sheol, the place of the dead anyway.
the last memorial service that I got to do before moving back to New Jersey was for a wonderful man who had been married to his wife for 62 years. They had a good life together that was full of adventures and love. While he was still alive and in hospice care, I met with the two of them. She said, one thing about us, we don't believe in an afterlife. Okay, I said. Then she added, we believe we are part of eternity as we participate in God's love, and God's love endures. Not exactly the Christian understanding, but, but looking back, it also sounds a lot like the author of Ecclesiastes. There's no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. So whatever your hand finds to do, do with your might. Live your life with enjoyment. Eat, drink, let your garments always be white. Don't let oil be lacking on your head, which is to say, get dressed for every day as if you're going to a celebration or a feast or a party. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love or your partner or your loved ones. Find joy in your toil because this is the toil that God has given you under the sun. It is a very long and lonely and painful life if you can't find any joy in it. If the hum of fear and evil and terror takes over, if you approach life thinking that this is it, you could get evicted from the house any day now, or a pandemic could come and dash your dreams of the 500000 or even $10 million prize. But all of us know, deep down within us, in our bones, don't we, that just waking up tomorrow is worth so much more than that. We know how much, how much hurt and pain there is in this world. We know how daunting, even futile, it can feel to try in some small way to bring healing and justice in the midst of it, let alone to find joy in our toil. And maybe that, that is finally what will bring us to Holy Week. When Jesus enters the scene, when he marches into the same Jerusalem that Kohelet had written about a couple hundred years earlier in our texts during this Lenten season, Kohelet, the author of Ecclesiastes, he said, I became great and I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Do you remember that? He made a test of pleasure and in the end he discovered that all that he had acquired, all of his possessions, it was all just like everything else, vanity. But when Jesus enters Jerusalem, as we celebrate next week on Palm Sunday, he signals a new reign and a new way of living that doesn't give in to fear and that doesn't seek its own gratification. His way of living offers us hope in the midst of our fear. It gives us true purpose in the midst of our toil. And it gives us joy in the midst of our struggles. If Kohelet gets to the end and thinks it's all vanity, then Jesus teaches us that no, in reality, it is all grace. And grace is something that seems to be in short supply these days. We know deep down in our bones that this life, this breath, 
This gift of waking up tomorrow, it is an opportunity to give thanks in gratitude to God for God's blessings and to offer mercy and to work for justice in Christ's name. And so as we move into Holy Week, friends, and we remember Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem, and we remember his death, and we remember his resurrection, we know that there is, in reality, nothing vain about this life. It is all simply how we respond to God's grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.